Welcome to Parkview. We're doing this series about money, sex, and power, these things that get in the way of, uh, of God, okay? Maybe PG, but it's not uh, any worse than any the rest of the weeks, really. It's a deeper issue than sex, okay? Um, we did money last week uh, and um, how it gets in the way and gets in our place of God. This week, we're going to talk about sex, but we're not doing a class here, okay? And we're not condemning it, so it just makes a bad substitute for God. I asked my staff, however... Um, you know, I want to I make sure I'm keeping up with, you know, the times. So is there, you know, some songs? Are there some songs I ought to be paying attention to? Can you guys just give me, like, all the current pop and, and, and country songs about sex that you've got so that I can, you know, just keep up with it? And I got some stuff I knew and some stuff I didn't. And then I realized how old my staff is. <laughs> when I got ACDC and Def Leppard songs probably from Richie, but, you know, beside the point. <laughs> Marvin Gaye? Let's get it on. I mean, that guy died 30 years ago, you guys. You understand this? And, and, and my favorites were Let's Get Physical by Olivia Newton-John. And, uh, and then we'll see if you old people remember this one. Skyrockets in flight Afternoon delight Yeah, that was one of the early music videos, boys and girls. I don't think my parents ever figured out what Afternoon Delight was when I was listening to that song in 1976. But, 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 but there's three big categories, okay? This is what we're talking about, that the evil one tries to substitute in the place of God. Money, sex, and power. Let, let, me, let me take you all the way back to the beginning. The woman saw the fruit. This is the fruit of the tree she's not supposed to eat of, okay? Getting this? She saw that it was good for food, okay, pleasing to the senses, and, and it was also pleasing to the eye, and it was also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it, gave it to her husband, and he ate it, and all the world's problems came in at this point. Pandora's box was open, the devil came into our world, and all the stuff that's going on now is going on here. There's nothing wrong with things that feel good to your senses. God had given them other food to eat. There's nothing wrong with something that looks good to your eyes, Okay. There's nothing wrong with something that will make your mind feel good unless God specifically told you not to eat of it, in which case he did. And what I'm calling that is that they got applejacked, okay? That applejacked. In other words, they got hijacked by the apple. They're supposed to be with God, and they got hijacked by this apple, this beautiful thing that, they, that looked good to the senses, looked good to the eye, and was going to make them wise, John, the apostle, says it this way in the New Testament. Do not love the world or anything in the world. These three categories still remain. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, and this is kind of a general category for that, lust of the flesh, uh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of my Father lives forever. Understand? Um, those three big issues. Satan comes to tempt Jesus before he starts his ministry, and he tempts him with the big three. Turn these stones into bread. That's the flesh side of things. Uh, Jesus said no. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'll give these to you if you worship me. You know, that's the eyes, all the things that I want. Jesus said no. Throw yourself off the temple, Jesus, and the, the angels will catch you. 
And that'll make, every, that'll make you popular, and that was pride. So it's those three things, the flesh, the eyes, the pride. And we are calling that in the 21st century money, sex, and power. Again, nothing wrong with these. I mean, I, you know, Eve wasn't tempted by sex. It was food, but it's the same thing. It was about the flesh. And in these days, I mean, you, maybe food is your issue, but I think sex goes deeper. It's about how do I gratify the natures that I have, the, the, the very basic good things that God gave me. How do I gratify those without those things getting in the way of God? And everybody has different ones. That's why we're talking about all three of the big categories. The Applejack is when you let something get into place where it's the most important thing to you, be it shoes, beer, money, sex, power, whatever it is. C.S. Lewis, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn, the food that our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other, okay? No other. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. There's no such thing. You, 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 can, you, you can love beer, that's all great, but, but you're never going to find your ultimate happiness and joy in beer or shoes or money or sex or power because ultimately there is only one. All right? And you try to fill up with those things, you're going to be disappointed. So today we talk about sex. All right, Let's talk about sex. Uh, I can assure you that I believe God made it and that it is good. I totally agree with the theologian George Michael who said sex is wonderful, sex is fun, okay? I am sad that the church has made it out to be a, a bad thing. You know, there's still a lot of the Victorian era that exists in a lot of churches and was for me growing up. God made it and it is good and it was made to be enjoyed within the context of how God made it to be enjoyed. It's a wonderful thing uh, and um, keep that in mind at Christmas, okay? Because several years ago, my wife got a present from one of her girlfriends, and uh, I was with her when she opened it up. It was, it was pajamas made out of flannel that covered every square inch of her body. I'm thinking, if I wanted to marry a lumberjack, I would have married a lumberjack, you know? Oh, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I, that's not what I, that, that, you know, as good as it gets, however, it is super easy for us to get applejacked by sex, even if you are in a married relationship. The problem for us is it starts in puberty. It starts early. And, uh, you know, I mean, back in Jesus' day, we talk about Mary, you know, soon. We're going to talk about Mary, and she was probably 14 or 15 when she has Jesus. But they only lived to be maybe 35 or 40. I mean, that was pretty normal. They would go through puberty, and then they would get married. Now we have puberty earlier and earlier, and we get married later and later. So there's this big gulf in between where we're trying to figure everything out. And it's hormonally induced, and I get that. And, and the search begins at a very early age. We, we wake up one day and Xbox or Barbies isn't as cool as it used to be because now there's somebody that I am interested in in the opposite sex, and we've never had that happen before. And then I get to the junior high dance, you know, and all the boys are on one wall and all the girls are on the other wall. And we're, we're, we're for the first time, hoping that, that somebody's going to break the ice and start dancing because there's actually somebody over there we're interested in. And so it begins. The lifelong desire for intimacy. And many people spend their entire life going from one dance partner to another trying to fill a hole that really only God can fill. I, mean, I, I did. I mean, when, when I was an adolescent, which is a long time ago, uh, I just didn't feel complete unless I had a girlfriend. I mean, I wasn't a playa, but, you know, I, I wanted somebody to love. They told me, we all need somebody to love. 
Now, unfortunately, all my exes live in Texas, so you don't know any of them. They were, they were great girls. But if I could get them all in a room, I would say, to all the girls I've loved before <laughs> who traveled in and out my door. I was going to do the Julio Iglesias side of that song, but it kept sounding like Count Chocula when I tried to do it, so I can't get that accent. If I had them all in a room, I would say, I'm glad you came along. I dedicate this song to all the girls I loved before, but I'm sorry that I thought you could fill my tank. I'm sorry that I put that on you, and I put that on my wife early in our marriage, and I'm sorry that you thought I could fill your tank because that's never going to happen. I'm sorry I didn't realize that you're not a perfect person and I'm not a perfect person and there's no way another human being can fill this hole inside of me. Nancy Ortberg says it this way, our search for the perfect person is completely understandable because we were made in the image of a perfect God and we long for perfection, but it is completely misguided and a reflection of our own lack of our understanding of our own brokenness. I can't expect for you to meet my needs no matter how much you love me. And I'm not saying that we don't need each other. Uh, God did say it is not good for man to be alone. And if you want to be in a relationship, I'm not saying that everybody ought to just be happy being single, okay? You, You figure all those things out. But no group and no person is ever going to fill your tank. Community, we talk about getting in a small group. We're signing up again, getting ready for the, for the January season. Whenever we talk about that, it's only so that you can be with people that will help to point you to the one who can really fill your tank. Ultimately, that's what your marriage ought to be. It ought to be about living with someone who can help point you to the one who can really do this. All right? Fantastic story out of the Old Testament about this. Uh, I'm borrowing a concept from Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, which is about this Applejack thing, about how you put you know, the wrong gods in front of the God that is there. It's about Jacob and, and Leah and Rachel. Okay? Um, background, Abraham, you know, father of the faith, has a son named Isaac. Isaac has twin sons named Jacob and Esau. Esau was the oldest. Um, Esau was daddy's favorite, and for whatever reason, Jacob was mama's favorite, right? It kind of went that way, in a real, real unhealthy way. Now, Esau was the oldest twin, so he was supposed to get the birthright, and the birthright was the blessing of the father. The oldest child got double the inheritance, and there was this special place in the family that they were supposed to get. Jacob, the younger twin, and his mom conspire against Isaac when he's old and doesn't, can't pay attention and doesn't know what's going on. And they go in and they steal the blessing. They steal the birthright from Esau, basically. It doesn't make any sense to us, but in the way things worked in their culture and their tradition, he was able to go in, trick his dad into thinking he was Esau, and, and he gave him the blessing, right? So then what do you have? Well, you, you, you got the blessing, great, but now, you know, your dad really doesn't like you, your brother wants to kill you, and you have to leave your mommy, okay? This is where we find Jacob. He's in this situation. He's had to run off to another country. He meets a guy named Laban who has a daughter. Actually, he has a couple. Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful, 
All right, uh, let me help you with this a little bit, okay? Uh, Leah had weak eyes. What does that mean? It means she couldn't see like me. I have bifocal contacts. Is, is, is that what it was about? I don't think so because look at the contrast. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Rachel was hot. Leah was unhot, okay? <laughs> I mean, if, if, that, if, that's, if you need to understand, there's something about her eyes, whatever, that, that made Leah not attractive, and Rachel, you know, she was a babe, okay? That was it. She was hot. So let me just say this right up front, okay? I want to get this out. I know that as soon as I bring up this comparison thing, especially between sisters, this is really hard, because here's what I know. I'm a dad of three daughters. One's 28, one's 25, one's 23. I know as a dad of daughters that every girl in this room, as soon as I brought up that comparison thing, thought, eh, that stinks because I'm more like Leah than Rachel. You know? I know there aren't very many girls in this room that just broke into, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me <laughs> and Rachel. Deep down inside, the most beautiful girls in the world still f- usually feel like Leah. Okay. I'm blessed to have very gorgeous daughters, if you've met them. It's obviously because I married a gorgeous woman, no thanks to me. But I can assure you that as a father of beautiful daughters, all girls, even the beautiful ones, suffer from this society's glorification of some kind of perfect beauty that can only be found behind an airbrush in a magazine. And I want you to know This self-esteem issue for girls is stupid, and I hate it, and I hate even bringing this up because uh, most of you girls out there are thinking, yeah, I wish I was Rachel, even though you are. So don't check out on this, okay? Even if you feel like Leah, she's actually the main character in the story today, don't check out on this, all right? So what happens? Well, Jacob is in love with Rachel. He's shallow. Um, And... uh, like every guy, and said, I'll work for you seven years, said to her dad, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter. I mean, it's just just a weird system back then, but that was it. Okay, here's what I love. Laban said, well, I guess it's better that I give her to you than some other guy. I mean, that, that, I don't, you know, I I just picture my grandpa from Arkansas when I, yeah, whatever, you can have her, might as well. Somebody's got to marry her. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years. to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life? Can I just say that if seven years seem like a few days because you're in love, you're not in love, you're bat guano crazy. Your family needs to get power of attorney over you ASAP, that's what I'm saying, all right? I have been married for 31 years, and you know what it feels like? A long time! You know what it feels like to my wife? Even longer, okay? I can't feel my face when I'm with you because of nerve damage. That's what I'm talking about. So if if you read this right now, and you're thinking, oh, I, I wish somebody felt that way about me, you are exactly the kind of Applejack person I want to talk to today. Seven years fly by, because they're just like a couple of days. And Jacob walks in to Laban and says, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. 
Does that, does that sound a little graphic to you? Well, I want to tell you, in the Hebrew, it's way more graphic than that. I mean, what kind of guy walks in to his future father-in-law and says, I want, your, I want your daughter. I want to have sex with her right now. It's my time. I mean, I'm going to tell you, if you said that to me, I don't care if you worked for me for 700 years, your time would be completed if you know what I mean. Uh, and I get, the, I get the hormonal urges. Please, I'm, it's not been that long, okay? I get the hormonal urges, felt the Joneses. I understand. But part of all of this has to do with this deeper level of intimacy that we are looking for. Why? Jacob's life is empty. He didn't have his father's love. His mother's love was weird and misguided, and he's gone from her. His brother wants to kill him. He doesn't really understand God's love and care. So he sees the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life, and he gets applejacked. And he thinks, if I could just have her, everything would be okay in my miserable life. I mean, this is the stuff that movies are made of, right? You complete me. Listen, <clears throat> it's never going to happen. Okay? There's only one that can do it. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Ernest Becker wrote about this in the... A book he talked about the fact that we've tried to substitute love for God, and he called it. He gave it a great phrase. He said, "It's it's an apocalyptic romance. It's apocalyptic romance. It's looking to sex to romance to give us this sense of meaning and purpose that we can really only get from God." And a lot of people today would say, "Ah, oh, it's a 21st century man. I mean, we live in the hookup culture, man. This is it's no big deal. Sex is not a big deal anymore. It's friends with benefits now, you know." Bang, bang, there goes my heart. Bang, bang, backseat of your car. <laughs> Country music, strip it down. Right? I love you like a wrecking ball. I, how about, I got my mind on your body and your body on my mind. Is that not the same thing? I mean, the, the lyrics, come on, man. I can't feel my face when I'm with you, but I love it. My staff, let's get physical. Let me hear your body talk. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that sexuality is at a different place today than you think it's ever been before, but the truth of the matter is we all know that it's not, friends with benefits is not really possible. We all know this. Laura Stepp wrote a book called Unhooked about the hookup culture going on today. She interviewed thousands of young women said, really? You know, do you really think that this hookup culture is, is meeting your needs? And she said, overwhelmingly, they, they felt unsatisfied by what was going on and hurt by it, but they just didn't want to admit it to their peers. It's really nothing new, you know, <laughs> when Afternoon Delight was going on, you know, back when I was in high school in the 70s, it was that way. We have some 60s people in here, you know, hippie generation of free love. It's been that way all the way through. It's been that way through history. There's always been a, a group of people that say, let's just take, you know, let's just take sex and remove it and make it just like eating food or whatever and make it different. It's always been that. In the 1940s, C.S. Lewis, who I've quoted here, one of the great thinkers of the last century, he, he, he had friends coming to him at the British Academy saying, you know what, if we would just take this sex and make it just something that we do like eating dinner, it would be no big deal and everybody would quit worrying about it. And, and Lewis said, you know what, Here's, let me propose an experiment for you. Suppose you came to a country 
Now remember, this is the 40s, okay? Think burlesque. You come to a country when you could fill a theater by simply bringing a covered plate onto the stage and then slowly lifting the cover so as to let everyone see, just before the lights went out, that it contained a lamb chop or a piece of bacon. Would you not think that that country's, that something had gone wrong in that country with their appetite for food? Could you imagine what those people back in the 40s would think of today's porn industry? Can those of you who are middle-aged or older even have ever imagined a world where Playboy magazine has decided to stop showing pictures of naked women because there's so much easy access to naked women now, they don't need to pay some girl to take her clothes off because you can see it on the internet. Here's a quote from the CEO of Playboy, Scott Flanders, in the New York Times. The onslaught of internet pornography has made nude images in Playboy passe. That battle has been fought and won. You're one click away from every sex act imaginable for free. It blows my mind to think that Playboy magazine won't have that little thing in front of it on the shelf in the airport anymore, and there won't be nude images anymore because we can get them everywhere. Is something messed up? I mean, because it seems to me like the more we fill our tanks up with sex, and the more we need. Isn't that interesting? Why would that be? Because we've been applejacked. Now here's where the story gets interesting. All right? Polygamy was normal back then, and um, it was tradition not to marry off the younger sister until the older sister was married off. So somehow, I mean, that's all, it's just something we don't understand today, but somehow <laughs> Laban convinces his daughters to do a switcheroo on Jacob on the wedding night. So that he ends up sleeping with Leah instead of Rachel. Somehow he convinces Leah, you know, hey, baby, you know, you're probably never going to get married with the I thing going on, so why don't you do this? And somehow he convinces Rachel that this will be okay. So Leah waits until Jacob's a few sheets to the wind and goes in on the wedding night and pretends to be Rachel. And Jacob had had so many jealous shots, he didn't know who he was sleeping with. It didn't matter. So he wakes up in the morning with Leah instead of Rachel. It wasn't the first or the last time that somebody woke up after a wedding party with a surprise in their bed, but this is the groom, and it wasn't his idea. It's a weird story, but never fear, because Jacob's love for Rachel is so strong that he just says, eh, no big deal. As long as I can have Rachel too, you know, I'll work seven more years for her because it's only like a couple of days. It's no big deal. And she completes me and love is all you need. And I can't feel my face when I'm with her, blah, blah, blah. All I need is Rachel. Just give me Rachel. He, he was so obsessed with his love for this woman that he could only hear and see the things he wanted to hear and see. Well, now we have a problem. If you're Leah, remember, she's the main character in our story. How do you feel about this? Okay. Well, I thought I was going to get to marry this guy, but now my sister's moving in. Oh, I love her. This will be great, right? No, Leah had to know how it was going to go, and you know how it was going to go. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Leah wasn't, she was the girl that, that wasn't wanted, and she's the girl that got dumped, but now she has to live with the guy who doesn't want her. And listen... I know I'm hitting close to home here, folks, trying to be gentle with this, because I know a lot of people live with someone that they don't feel like loves them. 
Here's why this is important. Leah has been Applejack just exactly like Jacob was. Because Jacob thought that Rachel was going to be the one who was going to complete him and, and make everything work in his life. Leah is married to Jacob now, and she thinks that Jacob's the only one that's going to fill her tank. So she does everything she can to try to get Jacob to love her too. And she begins to respond to this hole in her heart, trying to fill it up with Jacob, even though she knows it's not going to work. But God feels sorry for her. Listen to this. The Lord saw that Leah was not loved, and he, and he opened her womb. Right? You've got to understand, I, it's very hard in any day and time if you can't have children and you want to. But back in this culture, it was the thing that women had to do. I mean, it was the thing that was the most important. And Leah, God opened her womb. She was able to have kids. But Rachel was not able to. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. So she's thinking, all right, you know, Jacob want, wanted a son. I had a son. So maybe Jacob is going to love me now. So she names him Reuben. And Reuben's name means it is because the Lord has seen my misery. All right, my husband's going to love me. This is it. Evidently, she has a baby. Her husband didn't love her enough. So eh, she got pregnant again. And she had another kid. And, and, and she conceived again. And she said, it's because the Lord has heard that I'm not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, which means, you know, God has heard me again. And then she has another kid and, and gives birth to another one. It says, maybe now at last my husband will be attached to me because now I have given him three sons. So she names him Levi. Basically, it, it's this. It, she named her kids, perhaps my husband can fill my tank one, perhaps my husband can fill my tank two, and perhaps my husband can fill my tank three. Those are their names. Simeon, Reuben, and Levi. And it never worked. It never worked. He was happy to have his sons, but Leah never got her tank filled up by her husband because he was always going to love Rachel more. Now let me take you back to a phrase, and we'll camp on this for a second. In, in, in the wedding night debacle, okay, it's a great phrase, Jacob wants his tank filled up by Rachel, right? And, in, and there's this great phrase in Genesis 29. In the morning, he woke up and behold, it was Leah. Behold. What does that mean? Tim Keller said, with all due respect to this woman, it means that no matter what we put our hopes in, in the morning, it'll always be Leah. It'll never be Rachel. There's no such thing as Rachel. There's no such thing as the perfect person who is going to fill all of your needs. And for Leah, no matter what she put her hopes in, no matter how many babies that she has, it's always going to be Jacob. Because here's the deal. If you put the weight of your deepest hopes and longings on another human being, you are going to crush them with your expectations and you're going to distort your life and theirs in a hundred ways. You are going to think you have gone to bed with Rachel and get up in the morning and it's always going to be Leah because there's no person in this planet who can fill your tank. Let me, let me talk to you if you are married for a second, okay? If it hasn't happened to you yet, you're going to wake up one day and realize you married Leah. You're going to wake up one day and realize that person that you married 
isn't all the things you thought they were going to be. Guess what? I hope it happens to you soon. Because that's when the real marriage can start to happen. When the honeymoon gets over, when, when, when all those ideologies of who you thought this person was going to be can be over, then you can start to have a real marriage. And we would love to help you get into Christian counseling so that you can have people that will help you in that marriage and read some books and try to learn how to have a great marriage. And, and, and you can get to the point where you have, like I do, a beautiful marriage between a, a, a person who is imperfect over here and a person who is imperfect over here. And you put them together, and God's in the middle, and it works. But here's what I want to encourage you more than anything else. Whatever you do, don't leave them and think you can go find some other Rachel some other place. Because it's not going to happen. Do you know why the divorce rate is so much higher for second and third marriages? It's because you got married to this person because at one time they, they loved you and you loved them and you decided to have this, this thing together, this family together. And at some point you woke up and realized that they were Leah and they woke up and realized that you were Jacob and this thing wasn't working. And, 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 and you leave that and you go try to find another person. It's not going to take you as long to figure out that you married Leah. It's not going to take you as long. You're going to get divorced faster. You're going to get divorced more readily because you've realized at some point, oh man, I guess there is no perfect person. I guess there is no Rachel. And the sooner you get to that point, the better everything can be. The sooner your marriage can be healed, the sooner your relationships can be what God wants them to be. When you realize that there is only one, one, and your spouse, your significant other is never going to be anything but two. Denise is not my one. She's my two. She will always be my two. I love her dearly as my two. But Jesus is my one because only Jesus can fill up my tank. And I am her two because only Jesus can fill up her tank. If you're sitting by your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, significant other of some kind, just turn to them right now and say, you're number two. I know that has alternative connotations, but stick with me for a moment, okay? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Let me ask you something, though. All kidding aside, if somebody just said that to you, didn't that kind of take some pressure off, you know? Uh, Ernest Becker, again, wrote, the failure of romantic love as a solution to human problems is so much a part of modern man's frustration. No human relationship can bear the burden of godhood. However much we may idealize and idolize this other person, they inevitably reflect earthly decay and imperfection. What is it we want when we elevate this love partner to this godhood position? We want them to rescue us. We want to be rid of our faults and our feeling of nothingness. We want to be justified. We know, want to know that our existence has not been in vain. We want redemption, nothing less. Needless to say, human partners cannot give you this. So what do you do if you wake up one day and you realize you've got Leah? 
All right? What do you do if you wake up one day and realize Jacob is never really going to love you like you'd hoped he was going to? Well, Tim Keller says you have four options. You can blame them. It's all their fault. You can blame yourself, which a lot of people do. Oh, nobody ever loves me. It must be me. You can blame the world, just be cynical and, you know, not ever go on another date again and not ever, you know, think about another person ever again and just become a cynical person. Or you can, um, and Keller quotes C.S. Lewis, reorient the entire focus of your life towards the only one who can really satisfy. And I'm going to go with number four. And there's good news in our story because Leah figures it out. At the very end. It's so awesome. Listen, she conceived again and she gave birth to a son and she said, I'm going to name him Judah, which means this time I will praise the Lord. Hope my husband loves me one. Hope my husband loves me two. Hope my husband loves me three. And this time I will praise the Lord. I'm not trying to minimize Leah's pain at all. Life's been unfair. She wasn't the homecoming queen. She stuck with a a dad who dumped her on a man who didn't want her. This is not fair. This is not cool. But she finally gets it. This time, I will praise the Lord. There's defiance in that declaration, isn't there? I mean, way different than the other births of her other children. There's no mention of a husband. There's no mention of a child. Finally, she gets it. There is only one. I know my number one. No matter how number two ever works out for me, I have number one. Remember that the text said, when the Lord saw her, he loved her. He is the number one. He is the husband of the husbandless. He is the father of the fatherless. There are many people in the world who have not found a romantic partner, and you need to hear God say to you, I am the one, because then it'll take a lot of pressure off of finding a two. There's only one set of arms that's ever going to be your heart's desire. There's only one set of arms that's going to be waiting for you at the end of time, and it's me, all right? That's the only way it's going to work. However, it's not just those who don't have somebody in their life who need to see God that way. People like me who have somebody, who have a spouse, you need to take a crushing weight of expectations off of that person and realize there can only be one, one. Don't be Applejack. God is the one. God, I just pray for these people listening right now that you'll be with them as we try to figure out what it means to follow you first and seek you first and make sure that, that we're not applejacked by money, sex, and power, that we're not applejacked by the things of this world, that we realize that you are the one that we love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and Lord, I, I pray for those who are, are single, who would like to be with another person. Lord, bring them the right person. I pray that. But for all of us, whether we ended up with the right one or not, whether we ended up with the one we thought we were going to have or not, at the end of the day, it's always Leah. It's not Rachel. There are always going to be problems. There are always going to be an imperfect person. I'm grateful for my wonderful wife. But she's not perfect. And I'm way less than that. The only way this works is when we realize that it's you that we worship. Be with us as we do that now. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.